Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Third week of the NASCAR 2021 season is in the books, and we did not get a first-time winner in the Cup Series, but we did get a first-time winner in the Xfinity Series. So the new winners just keep on rolling in as the weeks go by. Who's going to be winning at Las Vegas now? I have no idea because... Honestly, nobody has made the correct guesses on who's going to win these races, as far as I can see. I mean, holy hell, we got a lot to talk about, a lot to uncover here in these two Homestead races. We'll be talking about the Xfinity race and the Cup Series, not the Truck Series race, because uh, that doesn't exist. They didn't race this week. So let's get into it. Let's first start off with the Xfinity race that happened on Saturday at Homestead Miami Speedway. Let's get into it. Alrighty, so a few statistics that we're going to go over real quick. There were two drivers who did not qualify for this race. That is Ronnie Bassett Jr. in the number 77 car and the number 31 of Jordan Anderson, who's trying to run for Rookie of the Year. But since they're not doing qualifying or practice, these guys are never going to get a shot as long as there's more than 40 cars entered on the list. I'm still pissed about this. That's that's bullshit. But anyways, moving on to the other stuff. We had eight cautions for about 42 laps in this race. We had 20 lead changes amongst 11 different drivers. Multiple overtimes where this race uh, was actually 18.5 miles over the scheduled distance. So who was the winner? Well, it was none other than Myatt Snyder and the number two Richard Childress racing car for Tax Slayer Chevrolet, able to get the victory leading only five laps in this race. He is your winner of the third race of the season for the Xfinity Series. Finishing second was the number 19 of Brandon Jones. Finishing third, we have the number 18 of Daniel Hemrick. Finishing fourth is the number 10 of Jeb Burton. Another great finish for him. Rounding out the top five is the number 22 of Austin Sindrick. Finishing sixth is the number 11 of Justin Haley. Finishing seventh, we have the 0-2 of Brett Moffitt. Finishing 8th is the number 39 of Ryan Sieg. Finishing 9th is the number 51 of Jeremy Klimix. Another good finish for him. And then rounding out the top 10, the rookie, the number 8 of Josh Berry. Some notable drivers who finished outside of the top 10 was Riley Herbst in the number 98, finishing 11th. AJ Allmendinger finishing 14th in that number 16 car. Noah Gregston screwing up in the final laps. Well, there could be debate on that, but in the end, he finishes 33rd in that number 9 machine as he was leading with just 3 laps to go. Finishing 37th, we have the number 54 of Ty Dillon with the Bass Pro Shops Toyota. He ended his race early at lap 102 with radiator problems, not able to get another finish in that number 54 machine. Justin Allgaier in the number 7, he finishes 38th due to an accident. Harrison Burton blows up his engine during caution. I don't know how the hell he did that, finishing 39th. And then Tyler Reddick. Yes, he did finish second in this race. However, going through inspection, they found something that they did not like. So the number 23 car was disqualified for the race, which means he finishes 40th in that number 23 machine. Well, Tyler Reddick, nothing else to say, but you cheated. Cheaters never win, unless you're Junior Johnson and you know how to get away with it. But anyways, let's go to the most important thing in this race, and that is the situation with Noah Gregston and the number 13 car of David Starr. Noah Gregston, in his interview, said straight up, 
There's too many dipshits out on the racetrack. Something to that extent. He said dipshit. That's all I know. (laughs) And there's a lot of mixed reviews on this statement and how Noah Gregson act. I mean, I know there's a lot of people, especially like Kyle Busch fans, who have a problem with some of those slower cars being out on the field. And I have a problem with it too. Like cars like Rick Rare Racing should not be locked into every single race and be that slow off the pace. However, with David Starr, this thing is a little bit different. Yes, this is a very small team. Yes, David Starr is past his prime, kind of running for field filler teams, but he was only in the 13th position. Like, he wasn't back in like 37, 38, just logging laps, multiple laps down. He was still on the lead lap. And he didn't really brake check him or try to um, get in his way. He blew a tire in turns three and four. It just so happened that Noah Gregson was on the high side. There was nothing he could do. So, is Noah Gregson, does he have a right to be mad? Yes, absolutely. I think anyone would be mad because you have the victory right there in your hands. Should he be blaming David Starr for this incident? Mostly, no. I don't think David Starr was right there going, Oh, ho, 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 ho. I am going to screw this boy's life up. Into the wall. No, nobody was wanting to do that. I, I'm pretty sure if you went to talk to him after the race, he felt horrible for that incident. But, you know, sometimes these younger guys, they they, they want to do whatever they can to get the victory. And when it kind of gets taken away from them, it's usually the finger-pointing game. Most drivers, actually, is the finger-pointing game. And this is a classic situation of it. Noah Gregson, he'll bounce back from this. He will. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a black eye for him because he kind of was throwing a fit. But every driver gets mad once in a while. I don't think it's the biggest thing. But for all the fans throwing a fit on how Noah Gregson is, you're, you're going to tell me that you're going to sit there and just be like, huh, well, uh, it, 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 it's a bummer. But, uh, you know, with a fast car right there with three laps to go, I mean, it, I'm really proud of my team. And, uh, oh, my gosh, it, it just happens. And, oh, man, I'm just going to go into my trailer and just smile about it because I know I ran fast. No, you're going to be pissed off. That's totally normal. I really like Noah Gregson because you know what you're getting out of him. He's 100% real. And guess what? He has personality. Can't really say that about most of the new drivers. So you know what? It is what it is. I don't agree with what he said, but I also don't have a problem with him showing that emotion at the end of the race. So that's all I got to say about this race. Overall, it was a really good race. Congratulations to Myatt Snyder getting his first victory. It's been really cool. I mean, they've been saying that it was going to be the best season ever, and most people are paying attention to the Cup Series, which is fine. I totally get that. But even these lower series, they've been really exciting. You don't know who's going to be victorious, who's going to come up out top, and that's really fun to see in all series for sure. But now let's go to the main series. Let's go to the Dixie Vodka 400 for the final results for the Cup Series. All right, so this race had six cautions for 36 laps. Everyone made the race. There's only 38 cars. A little tragic that we don't have a full field, and I have a feeling it's going to be like that for quite a while until we see one of the new tracks. But either way, there were 20 lead changes amongst nine different drivers. It was really, honestly, hard to tell who was going to get the victory in the first half of the race. But in the second half, it was really apparent who was going to be there at the end. And in the end, it was the number 24 of William Byron getting his second victory of his career, his first victory in the 2021 season. 
for Rick Henrik Motorsports. He is your winner of the third race of the season. Finishing second, we have the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Finishing third is the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Fourth, we have the number five of Kyle Larson. Finishing fifth is the number four of Kevin Harvick. Finishing sixth, the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Another great finish for him. Finishing seventh, we have the number six of Ryan Newman. Finishing eighth is the number one of Kurt Busch. Finishing ninth is the number 48 of Alex Bowman. And rounding off the top 10 is the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing 11th, we have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Finishing 12th is the number 3 of Austin Dillon. Finishing 13th is the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Finishing 14th is the number 9 of Chase Elliott. Finishing 15th is the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. Finishing 16th is the number 2 of Brad Keselowski. Finishing 17th is the number 42 of Ross Chastain. The highest finishing rookie in this race was the number 14 of Chase Briscoe, finishing 18th. Finishing 19th, the stage one winner, the number 17 of Chris Buescher. And rounding out the top 20 is the number 20 of Christopher Bell. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20. Finishing 25th was the number 22 of Joey Logano. Finishing 29th is the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Getting into an accident with him was the number 10 of Eric Amarola. He finishes 30th. And rounding out the field in the 38th position, only completing 21 laps, is the number 66 of Timmy Hill, who calls it quits early after electrical problems. And that is your final results here at Homestead Miami Speedway. Now, before we go any further, why don't I share with you guys my first reaction when I saw the finish of this race. <laughs> you bet your ass I was pumped about that. Number 24 car in victory lane. Hell awesome. And if you're wondering why I paused after I went, oh yeah, is I was drinking some good old Crown Royal mixed with some Sprite. Oh, I was celebrating last night. Whew. Well, that's why we do the podcast a little later in the afternoon, just in case I need some time to recover. But <laughs> the biggest thing I want to get out of the takeaway with William Byron and the number 24 car getting this victory is that we may have finally seen the good connection that he has needed for so long here in the Cup Series, and that is his new crew chief, Rudy Fogel. Rudy Fogel used to work with William Byron back in the Truck Series. And we remember William Byron from the Truck Series. He absolutely dominated it. And the only reason why he didn't win a championship was because he got like a blown engine in Phoenix, I believe it was. So he missed out on the championship. And then in the final race, he still goes and gets the victory anyways. Just because, you know, hey, I should have won that championship. I'm just going to win this race just to prove you guys that this whole system's stupid. And let's be honest here, William Byron has been grouped up with some of the best crew chiefs in the business. He had Chad Canounce. We all know what Chad Canounce can do, especially with Jimmy Johnson. He got seven championships with him. We also have Darian Grubb, who shared a championship with Chad Canounce, and then also got a championship with Tony Stewart. But in the end, it really wasn't blending well for William Byron. I mean, what was his best finish? Like 12th in points? That's not the uh, William Byron that we've seen going from the lower series on up. Now he's with someone that we know has a good blend with him. And look at this. I think we're going to see William Byron more near the front at mile and a half tracks more than ever before. Especially now that he has a crew chief who we already know has a good chemistry with William Byron. So I'm pretty excited to see what this 24 team can do in the future. Another thing I want to take away from this race is... We saw some teams that we haven't seen up front in a very, very long time. 
And it wasn't just one or two drivers. There was multiple drivers who were up front throughout the entire race. I mean, we had Chris Buescher win stage one. I mean, when was the last time we saw Roush Yates competing for a victory? It's been a very long time that hasn't been a plate race. And then you see the number 17 car just dominating the first half. And then I don't know what the hell happened to him in the second half. That was a bit of a bummer to see Chris Buescher do so well and then fall back so quickly. But then we also had people like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We had RCR, Joe Gibbs Racing. We also had Penske, Henrik. All these guys were up front at one point or another. And that is super badass to see. It, it almost reminds me of back in the early 2000s where you had multiple teams competing for a victory throughout the entire year. And I mean, look at this year already. Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, William Byron. Those guys together before the 2021 season only had one victory in the Cup Series. So... I mean, this is really, really cool to see. And now I'm just even more excited to see what Las Vegas brings. Hopefully it's a similar package to how they have at Homestead Miami Speedway. I'm not sure if it is similar or if it is a little bit different. And I know the tracks are set up a little differently. But, I mean, shoot, that's gotten me super excited for the next race. And I bet for new fans, if they come in to watch the sport... They're probably watching this race and thinking, that was pretty good. I might tune in for the Vegas race. And that's exactly what we need right now to try to grow the sport a little bit more. Another takeaway from this race is, should we have Homestead in this spot on the schedule? Or should it be towards the end of the season or the championship race once again? I saw on a lot of social media for NASCAR, a lot of people were just like, man, why did they ever get rid of Homestead Miami Speedway? That racetrack was so good. Now, the reason why I'm kind of mimicking it a little bit is because I feel like these are the same people who were throwing a fit about the racetrack being the championship race. Now that they moved it, now they want to throw a fit. As far as this track goes, I hope this track stays on the schedule for many, many, many years to come because this track has produced such great races. They were running three wide. You could do passing all over the place, the high line, the low line. Everything about this track is fun. Where should it sit on the schedule? That is a very good question. I do like the idea of it being at the beginning of the year for a couple reasons. One, they're down there in Florida already. Let's put all these races together. If you want to hang out down in Florida for the next couple of weeks, hell yeah. Lots of fun there, especially if you're a NASCAR fan. That's one positive about it. The other thing I like about it being at the beginning of the year is, you know what it does? It shows how great NASCAR can be with certain races, especially at Homestead. The racing is so much fun. They're racing all over the place, racing on the top groove, bottom groove. We already talked about the three to four wide. Who doesn't love that kind of racing? And you know what it does? It attracts more fans, especially at the beginning of the year. We've seen the numbers. During the Daytona 500, those numbers are massive. Second week is also pretty high, and then it starts to dip down. That's when you really got to show how great your product is at the beginning of the season. And if Homestead is creating these great races for the fans, as well as for the drivers, why wouldn't you want to put it at the beginning? Show what the product can be and see if you can retain as many fans as possible throughout the season. Because let me tell you something, Atlanta at the beginning of the year after the Daytona 500 has been kind of a nightmare in the recent years. You know why? Because that race has not been good for quite a while now. Now that you got a track like Homestead, where the passing has always been great, this is a good opportunity for NASCAR to gain more fans at the beginning rather than trying to grab them near the end like the playoffs. And that's the next thing. 
I don't think it should be in the middle of the season. Could you imagine how hot it would be in those race cars in the middle of July or August? Oh my gosh, forget about sweating your ass off. You're going to burn your ass off. And for someone like Denny Hamlin, who has great assets, <laughs> you see what I did there? That would not be good for the drivers. However, you know what spot I really do like it? How about the round of eight? If you want to put it back into the playoffs or kind of more of the championship factor, why not right there and replace one of the tracks like Texas or Kansas? You already have two mile and a half tracks that drive a little bit similar. Why don't you add the most unique track that you can towards the end of the season and see which drivers can make it through to the championship race in Phoenix? I think it's done what it's needed to do at for the championship race. I think NASCAR does need to do something new, and we don't need to bring Homestead back to the final race of the year. I think having it as the second-to-last race or the third-to-last race would be so valuable for NASCAR as well. That's my personal opinion on it. And the third takeaway I want to have here is who's going to be the driver that's going to miss the playoffs? I mean, we've already gotten three drivers that are kind of shocking that gotten a victory early in the season, And also, is there a chance that we might have 16 drivers get a victory this year before the playoffs even begin? That would be very, very interesting because there could potentially be a driver that has a victory and doesn't make it into the playoffs. I I can't even uh, imagine that, but shoot, let's look at the first three races. Michael McDowell wins at the Daytona 500, and that's another thing before we go any further. Michael McDowell... What a phenomenal start for that guy. I mean, three top 10s in a row, one at a plate race, one at a road course, and then he just pull, shows up here at Homestead near the end. That is badass. Good, good job for Front Row Motorsports. Just doing a phenomenal job so far this year. Let's see if they can keep it going in Las Vegas. That'd be awesome. But like I said, Michael McDowell. Christopher Bell, two drivers that you would never really expect. That 20 car hasn't been in victory lane for quite a while. Now you get William Byron getting his victory, locking himself in, who was probably going to be right around that spot and from 13th to 16th right around there. Now we're trying to figure out which drivers are going to miss it. Could we have someone like a Ryan Blaney or an Austin Dillon miss the playoffs now because of these victories? That is something that is starting to creep into a lot of people's minds and it's going to be pretty interesting to see if we get another surprise winner at Las Vegas I mean shoot getting a win will have to be an absolute must at that point because you can't rely on your points if there's so many people getting victories I mean you you could be in second place in points and if there's 15 drivers behind you with victory guess who gets moved back and not even compete is that person second in points Obviously, I'm pretty sure one of those guys could still do it. But, I mean, there's a lot of drivers right now that I can see get a victory before the regular season ends. I mean, you got still, I think Kurt Busch could get a victory. Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, maybe even Kyle Larson at the dirt. I think he can get a victory right there. Uh, Chase Elliott can still get a victory for sure. Denny Hamlin, maybe Ryan Blaney at Talladega. I mean, the list goes on. So, this is very, very cool to see. Let me know which driver you think is going to probably miss it for the playoffs. I know it's super, super early right now, but it has been pretty interesting. I'm trying to look through this list and see if I had to pick a driver that made it last year and will probably not make it this year. I mean, Matt DiBandetto could be an easy pick. I know he's struggling, but 
What if a driver who's won a championship in the past does not make it in? I know Jimmy Johnson missed it, but what about some of these other drivers who have been near the front for the last five or six years? What if someone like, I don't know, like Kurt Busch or maybe even Brad Keselowski is not able to get that victory and they fall off? Do you know how crazy that would be? What kind of story that would provide for us? Oh, that'd be so crazy, but... Yeah, just with three new winners, this is definitely going on as a very exciting season so far. Now let's move on to our fantasy picks. Alrighty, so let's see how our fantasy drivers did this week. So our top dogs, let's see here. Denny Hamlin did alright. He scored 35 points, a little bit lower than his average, but still not too bad. If he doesn't have that penalty near the end of the race, I think he would have scored his 45 plus. No problem there. Kevin Harvick, his average was definitely a little higher from other races, but you know, it was a bit of a letdown because when you think of Kevin Harvick, you think 44 plus points in a mile and a half track, not in the 30s, so... Good good run, but could have been better for him. Martin Trex Jr., phenomenal job. Scoring 49 points, definitely great if you had him on your roster. Kyle Busch, absolute letdown. Probably the biggest letdown out of the top five guys. Wasn't there at all during throughout the entire race. And then he was able to get a top 10 near the end. But even then, we weren't really happy about it. Because we expected him to be running in the top five, top three. Not barely scraping in to get a top 10. Very big letdown there. And then Kyle Larson in the number five, scoring 44 points. That's what you expect from Kyle Larson. You always want him on your fantasy team when it comes to Homestead. Now going to the dark horses here. The first one was Joey Logano. Joey Logano was definitely a big letdown. He was there at the very beginning, but that was about it. It's almost similar to the race last year. I did not expect him to repeat that, but with a 25th place finish and then only scoring 16 points, Big letdown for the number 22 machine. Tyler Reddick in the number 8. He actually had a really good finish there at the end. We saw what he could do at Homestead, similar to what he did last year. But man, the first two stages, he wasn't doing anything. Scored no stage points. Running around the 21st, 22nd position. And if you were someone like me, I left him in the garage area. I did not think he was going to improve. And then he finished his second. So good job for Tyler Reddick. Definitely now making me second guess that I will probably never put him back in the garage at Homestead again because he can show up near the end. But man, he let a few people down who thought that he had no chance there after stage number two. Austin Dillon, the number three, did exactly what we thought he would do. Score around the high 20s, maybe low 30s. Score 26, a little bit lower, but still, if he was your fourth or fifth pick, you can't be too mad about that. Chase Elliott, he underperformed. I thought of him more as a dark horse. I didn't think he would be that low on the points. I thought he would score at least 30-something, not 20-something. But, you know, it is what it is. All the best drivers have their bad days once in a while. And then Brad Kay scoring his exact average, 31 points. Not too bad for Brad Keselowski, but he was similar to his partner Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, except Ryan Blaney wasn't really there to begin with. And he finishes 16th in this race. I mean, I'm hoping that he has a better race somewhere else. I'm thinking maybe more Charlotte, maybe the short tracks. I know he was good there last year. Maybe he'll show back up, but here at Homestead, it really wasn't too much to run home about. Then for the Take a Chance guys, none of them really performed except for Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman was finally able to run the way that I'm used to seeing him at Homestead. Last year, like I said, kind of an asterisk because he was just returning back into the car after a scary incident at Daytona. Now he comes back. He runs in the top 10 the whole time throughout the race. Really good run for that number 6 machine. Definitely a good option for future references when it comes to this racetrack. And that is the Oscar Mayer Wiener car of Ryan Newman. 
Then some drivers we completely missed. Uh, 24th, William Byron. I didn't even mention him in anything, and now I feel really foolish. Especially he scored 57 points. Whoops. My bad, but yeah, he kicked ass. And then Michael McDowell, no one saw that one coming, scoring 31 points. Gosh, if we were just running on the regular point system, he would be fourth in points right now. Fourth or fifth. That's how good he's doing this year. That is phenomenal start for that number 34 machine. And then Alex Bowman, he scored 36 points. Not too bad. He was definitely a top 10 guy. Would have been a better pick than someone like Austin Dillon. And then Chris Buescher, 33 points. Did not expect that at all. I was looking at Ryan Newman the whole time. Should have also looked at Chris Buescher too because he's actually scored more points than Ryan Newman. But we'll take these notes. We'll take them on over to Las Vegas and see who are the top dogs, the dark horses, the take a chance guys, and the guys who just sit out for next week's race. And now it's time for the last segment of today's episode, and that is the awards for this week. Who gets the awards, the ones that are valuable and the ones that are shitty? Either way, we're giving out awards. The first one we got to do is the Fantasy Driver Award. Definitely has to go to William Byron. No one was even close to him, scoring 57 points. That's the most we've seen so far this season. So congratulations to William Byron. He gets his first Fantasy Driver Award of the season. Paint Scheme Awards. Now, there was a lot of good paint schemes, I'm not going to lie. Some of them really stood out to us. Um, Some ones that i got to mention is Justin Haley's number 77 car. That car was really nice this week at Homestead. And also another one was the number 53 of Garrett Smithley. Those cars ain't fast, but let me tell you, the paint schemes look nice. The one we're going to have to give it to... He's going to win two weeks in a row. That is Live Fast Motorsports, the number 78 of BJ McLeod with their new sponsorship for this week, Traxon.gg, putting up the pink, the teal, and the white. It was a good mix of colors right there for that car. It definitely deserves another award. Two paint scheme wins for the number 78 team. At least they're winning something. And then for the top field filler award, there was a lot of good people to put on this list. But I got to give it to the number 51 of Jeremy Clements. You know, that's a family-run team, able to score a top 10 in this race. We're used to seeing them score top 10s at road courses, not at mile and a half. And the number 51 team, they ran really solid in this race. The score a ninth place finish. Good job for the 51 car. I think he's well-deserving of this award. And then lastly, the Bum Award. There's only one driver, and you might be a little surprised on this because he ran the Cup Series, did really, really well, but I got to give it to him in this race, and that is the number 23 of Tyler Reddick. And the reason why I got to give it to the number 23 of Tyler Reddick is simply this. You cheated, son, and you couldn't get away with it. You had a second place finish with an unsponsored car. You would expect to be running, I don't know, something a little more safer that you wouldn't get caught. But nope, you get a last place finish, and you also get a bum award on it. So get the hell out of my podcast. Another great award show. Very good, very good. High-quality picks here and high-quality awards given out to well-deserving drivers. That's all I got to say on that. But that will conclude today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. Make sure to visit us at NASCARFeelFeeler.com for all your updates, wins, and fancy picks. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been... The Field Filler Podcast.